So yes. that's that's very good. Yeah. yeah. Now what's happening? So for even in pride and prejudice, there uh, there seems to be this observation between Mr. Collins, Mr. Darcy, and Elizabeth, where Mr. Yeah. Collins proposes to uh, Elizabeth, but Elizabeth thinks that Mr. Collins' uh, mindset is beneath her. That's why she refuses her. And yeah. but Lady Catherine thinks Mr. Darcy is superior to her in terms of economic value. So do you think it is similar in, in Yeah, yeah. There, there is that kind of element of Jane Austen over there, right? But uh, we can compare that text. But the important thing is when we're talking about reading the fiction, and I'm very happy you brought this up, right? Uh, there are different ways in which you look at it, right? First of all, as far as this text is concerned, right? Uh, what is the conservative? How do you look at the conservative, right? I think that's the most important, right? Whether you take pride and prejudice or you take this, right? Yep. So, what happens to the idea of the conservative? Who is being more conservative? Okay? And that's a contesting kind of claim, right? Uh, at one level, Elizabeth is being, uh, not Elizabeth, what is the uh, name? Uh, Emma is being more conservative than Nike, right? Yeah, and uh, at the other level, Knightley is conservative in a different way, right? So we're talking about two very conservative people, right? And the idea of how culture is being preserved, right? The idea of a conservative culture, how do you preserve a conservative culture, right? That's the most important thing, at least for me, in this whole debate, right? Because uh, at one level, we must know that Knightley is not married. Yeah, as far as it uh, looks up till now, right? Yeah, and he is a visitor to the house of his brother-in-law's father and sister-in-law, right? Yeah, and we must remember that primogeniture is something that is uh, there, which is a very conservative kind of structure, right? Yeah, and uh, is it challenged or is it not, right? Then the eldest sons, eldest sons, eldest sons, eldest son uh, get all the, the money. Right? Yeah, and the younger son doesn't get all the, uh, the the property. Right? Yeah. So that's something that is important because uh, we are talking about uh, these people allowing uh, uh, Isabel to marry John Knightley, who's a son, uh, uh, who's a younger brother of the the Mr. Knightley that we're talking about. Right? And we come to know that in chapter nine or ten. Okay, wherever that is, right? When he's, uh, when Mr. Woodhouse says, look, uh, well, uh, the, the, uh, the first son is called Henry after me, and the second one is called John after the father, but the second son is more like the, the mother than the father, right? Yeah, we talked about the portrait and the portrait uh, uh, painting, right? Yeah, and we talked about what's happening over there with the portrait painting, and the whole idea of the position in the family of different people, right? Yeah, and we we talked about the idea of how uh, the children imagine the position and the power of the father and the mother from psychoanalytical tools that we use with painting, right? So you have the idea of uh, the father 
being painted as huge kind of phallic image, right? So you have a huge sun and that's the way it operates. And then you have a little moon, right? And that means the father is a very dominant, domineering kind of character in the, uh, in the house, right? Yeah. And the other one is to say that, well, if you have a big moon and some people, some children don't even put the sun, that means they either want to get rid of the father, right? In, in a mind, or actually there is a very domineering mother, right? Yeah. So all those kind of things. Uh, uh, and that's why uh, Freudian analysis, the Rorschach test, and all those kind of drawing uh, systems that we have are actually telling us about the father. That's what we discussed last time, right? Now, what is important over here is this idea of uh, the intellectual, right? Yeah, and intellectual equal, uh, economic equal, right? So, Harriet is talking about an intellectual equal, right? And she thinks that Mr. Elton would be an intellectual equal to Harriet, right? And Harriet, of course, is in love, right? And the whole idea of illegitimacy, that's something that Knightley gets up, right? And Knightley is actually talking about a very, very conservative kind of point of view, right? And somehow the other marriage becomes the property or the contestation between the conservative and the radical, right? And that's why even today, right, if somebody wants to get married, you have a lot of conflict, right? The conservative people will get married because of all these issues that are set up over here. Of course, in India, it's a long, it's a lot to do with caste, but it's also do to do with economics, right? Yeah, and the idea is uh, the protection that uh, the patriarchy or the father and the mother with the internalized patriarchy have when they talk about settling their daughters off, right? So you might have some kind of a problem that way because you find that this idea of settling your daughter off becomes a problem, right? Yeah, so a, f a father would, and uh, it's already been uh, internalized, the economic order and the social order ha has been internalized by many people, right? And uh, I remember one aunt of mine saying that, well, uh, uh, I thought that uh, if I get married, right, uh, the husband or the husband's family or whatever the husband has should be equal to my father, not less than that, right? Yeah, so the question is, that's how you perpetuate the patriarchy, right? Yeah, so when a woman, and that's really very romantic, right? And maybe in those ways, uh, uh, Jane Austen is not a romantic, right? The romantic ideal is that the rich girl marries the poor boy, right? Yeah, and in India it would be uh, the rich girl or the upper class, upper caste woman marries a lower class and a lower caste man, right? Yeah, and that would be subverting the stereotype, right? This is a book which is actually, okay, it, and of course, it, you know, in India, which is a caste uh, and an economically driven society, we have these kinds of stereotypes which uh, a lot of us buy into, right? So we're talking about social structures and what is interesting about this uh, book is it's, uh, in one way, it looks as if it's 
upholding the social structure, but it's also a critique of the social structure, right? By uh, depicting it as it is, even that is good enough for us to think about what exactly is marriage. How do we look at marriage, right? How does Jane Austen portray marriage, right? Now, is it her view or not her view? That's a question because you have two contesting positions and it's very good you brought private prejudice and uh, persuasion, right? All those kind of things are uh, very important to talk about the idea of the family, right? Yeah, and the idea of the conservative, right? What is it to be conservative, right? So I think that's the most important, right? How do you conserve a society, right? Uh, that perhaps was not thought about, but it was there in practice, right? And in all the debates over here, you see that, look, we're trying to conserve our society. We're trying to preserve it just the way it is. We don't want the radical shifts, right? And of course, the radical shifts would be provided by the French. The radical shifts would be provided after the Romantic Age. And this is the Romantic Age, which uh, Jane Austen is in, right? Yeah. And the Romantic Age will have these violent kinds of uh, the whole idea of the, the rich girl marrying the poor boy, which defeats the stereotype, right? Many of you might like to read a play by a man called Walter, uh, uh, Bernard Shaw, right? And Bernard Shaw, uh, jo uh, Shaw's play is called Arms and the Man, right? Yep. And in the play, it's very interesting because uh, the, the, what's her name, Raina, right? Who's the chief, uh, uh, is the protagonist, right? Is a girl who falls in love with the soldier, right? And the soldier, it's a very romantic thing, okay? It goes back to your mythical kind of readings of Rapunzel, right? Yeah, and you know the story or the myth of Rapunzel, right? Uh, it's a story actually, right? It's, uh, it's very tale, but this woman with all the long golden tresses, right? And her hair is so long that it goes right down and she weaves this uh, kind of a plait, right? Where her lover can climb up through the window, right? And that's a very, very romantic kind of uh, picture that, and that's mythified or uh, mythified into this idea of how do you, the girl put the romantic lover up, right? That's one. The other thing is, it's got this thing of, of a play and it's got this thing of space, right? Yeah, it's they're talking about the woman getting a person from a lower rung to a higher rung. And that's something that has become uh, a kind of stereotypical, it's a stereotypical design in a lot of drama, right? Yeah, so because drama talks with all these kinds of uh, strange props, right? And what is interesting over here is we are talking about what is happening to this idea, right? And uh, this is trying to keep the idea of equality in a conservative manner, right? It's not talking about a radical equality like the French Revolution does, right? It's not talking about, well, it's just a man and woman, right? And people have a choice to choose whoever they want, irrespective of the money or the property or anything of the sort, right? Yeah. But at this point of time, right, the question of the man's wealth was important, the woman's wealth was important, and they also making or building up the stereotype about the endowments, right? That is, the qualities, right? 
or the accomplishments of a woman, right? Yeah, and the accomplishments are driven by the patriarchy. That is, a, a woman should have talent, a woman should have reading, a woman should have painting. Okay, a woman, and the other one is, of course, which they don't talk about over here because these are upper class people, right? The idea is uh, a woman has to know how to cook, right? Yeah, and then you have a stereotype in Mr. Woodhouse who's a very indulgent father, right? And of course, I've not really figured it out, but you have uh, a kind of setting which is very much influenced by Shakespeare, right? Of course, in the in the the chapter, it's talking about the course true love never runs smooth or whatever that is, right? And it's supposed to be from Shakespeare and Sonnets 116 and all those kind of things, right? So you you get all those kind of uh, get backs to uh, Shakespeare. But uh, one more important thing is when you look at a lot of Shakespeare's plays, right? The mother is absent, right? The comedies, right? Yeah. And how many women are very strong women in Shakespeare's plays, right? Yeah. Except for Volumina, right? Yeah. And in the comedies, the William, uh, the women do brilliantly, and all those kind of things. Yeah. But how many uh, mothers do you have in comedies, and how many mothers do you find who stand, uh, stand out, right? So that's a question that we have, right? And why am I getting all this in? Because when we come to the next chapter. Uh, we will talk about, and of course, we, uh, that's when we're talking about the idea of egging somebody on, right? Yeah. So at one level, you have the very, very interesting kind of debate about uh, the equalness of two people, right? Yeah. And uh, 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 this person is talking about society as it is, right? Right. He's talking about. Uh, and this is something that is remarkable because you find it being mouthed by people, even in India, of course, with caste, right? Yeah. And you say, well, uh, we're talking, and over here there's no caste, there's class, right? There's class and something that is called culture, right? And I, I think all of you must read Gramsci's essay on education, right? Because you're actually talking about what happens to the people who have money, right? But don't have the culture, and we're talking about cultural capital, right? And this novel is talking about economic capital and cultural capital, right? Yeah, and economic uh, capital and cultural capital are two different kinds of ways of operation, right? Of course, cultural capital is something that knocks a lot of the, the typical classical Marxist off, right? Because when you talk about cultural capital, you're talking about uh, what the what a lot of Marxists actually have, okay? Because they read, right? They acquire culture, they have a critique of culture, and all those kind of things, right? And when Pierre Badiou comes up with this idea of linguistic capital, right? And uh, this idea of cultural capital, right? Uh, and the Marxists are only talking about one kind of capital, that's economic capital, and their argument is economic capital is responsible for cultural capital and all the other kinds of capital, right? Yeah, but that doesn't work, right? And that's why it's important to get this idea of uh, uh, Gramsci, right? Who's talking about cultural capital, 
right? Because then we can in interpret what is happening to our own situation, right? So we talk about equality, and we said everybody is equal, but the Dalits are not equal because they lack the cultural cap uh, capital, right? Yeah, so that's the kind of question, right? So we're talking about a Brahminical system, and in a Brahminical system, right? We are, we've already codified that long before the Europeans have done, right? And we said, well, the economic capital is not important. Of course, in India, uh, the problem is that we've, we've systematized our caste system so brilliantly, okay, as Gandhi calls it, uh, the gem of Hinduism, right? And all that kind of real nonsense, which uh, is very shocking that Gandhi should even make such statements, right? But we've systematized it so well that uh, economically and culturally, uh, the people who are lower caste would not accept for the, the trader communities and all those kind of things, right? Yeah, so those are the people who would have more money, but then the question of culture, they would be looked down upon and you don't get married into those families because they might have money, but they don't have culture, right? And that's exactly the story that we have when you talk about the idea of equality this, the, between um, Harriet, right, and uh, Robert Martin, right? Yeah, so that becomes important. And there's another element which, of course, uh, is important, and that's emotion, right? Emotion, um, longing, desire, right? Now, these are things that we're talking about, and when we're talking about any kind of a romantic relationship or any kind of a uh, sexual relationship or sexual companionship or the man-woman relationship, the whole idea of desire is something that comes across, right? Which, uh, what is interesting is uh, this woman called Emma is actually trying to uh, reconstitute desire, right? And when you're actually trying to do that, it's not very easy, right? So, first of all, when you look at these people called the naturalist, right, who come actually after the romantics, right, they're talking about desire just as you have when Harriet and, uh, uh, what's her name, uh, Emma are talking, right, and you actually get this feeling that Harriet has, uh, has a crush, what we call a crush today, right, has a crush on this man called Martin, right? Uh, Robert Martin, right? And what's interesting is that she blushes, right? And that's something that Emma tries to change because of her ideas, right? Now, one of the things that's happening is we are getting into this idea of uh, character formation of Emma, right? And Emma seems to be this woman who's pl plotting and planning other people's lives, right? Because when you arrange as a matchmaker, right, you're actually playing out what we call scripts, right? You're playing out somebody else's script and you're writing a script for your own understanding of the world, right? Of course, this is before George Steiner's uh, scripts people play or whatever that Steiner's guy's name, scripts people play, right? Yeah. And what is interesting is how do you... How do you write a script for somebody else, right? And that exactly today, we might find that it's very uh, domineering, for one. The second thing is, 
it's taking, it's not an equal system and it's a kind of not even a democratic system though they're talking about who's equal, right? Yeah, because the idea is you're saying that my idea of who you should get married to is better than your own idea of whom you should get married to, right? Yeah, and it's one thing uh, and the other idea is this possessiveness that Mr. Woodhouse has about Isabella, right? Yeah, in spite of him, in spite of her being married, he still has this kind of possession and possessiveness of a father for a daughter, right? Which, of course, you might analyze in sexual terms, post-Freudian sexual terms, right? And all the idea of the, the Electra complex, etc. You might like to get into that and please go ahead, right? Yeah, so that's one, right? But the idea it comes across as possessiveness, right? And then he's saying, well, let us stay here for some more time, right? Yeah, she, why does she have to go back and why does she have to be there only for a week, right? She'll occupy the same room that she had, right? Yeah, now I don't know if there were sons, would that happen, right? Yeah, because we're talking about uh, uh, the, the daughters, right? Yeah, and in this, if there were sons in the house, would that kind of thing happen, right? And do they have a kind of system which is like uh, the Indian system, where the daughter has to leave the house, right? In most cases, the daughter has to leave the house, right? And the son stays on, right? And that's a kind of a very unequal, a patriarchal kind of way of operation, right? Yeah? So, and of course, what is interesting is that we naturalize all these things, right? Like we have naturalized the caste system. The caste system is natural, right? It's nothing, and you can't think outside that. Right? So it's naturalized that uh, uh, a woman has to leave the house right? and a man stays with the parents. Right? And if you get, okay, and of course that's not in all cultures, but this is uh, by and large what happens in India. Right? Yeah? I don't know if uh, people or anybody who says, well, uh, I get married, uh, the, uh, the woman gets married and uh, ask the man to come and stay with her and they stay with the woman's parents, right? Yeah, and most men resent it, right? I actually know of a case where, uh, and of course the marriage is on the rocks, right? Where the wife and the wife's mother ask the, uh, the groom of the girl to come and stay with them, right? Instead of staying with his own parents, right? And now that becomes a huge tussle between the parents of uh, the boy and the parent and the, the mother of the girl, the father was dead, right? Yeah, and I think the mother is also dead, right? Yeah, but when you look at that, it becomes very interesting, right? Now the question of displacement, the question of adaptability, right? Now all these things come into the idea of a woman's character, right? A woman is all, all, uh, almost trained, and we go back to Simone de Beauvoir, who's talking about one is not born a woman, but one becomes one, right? Yeah, and a woman is trained from childhood that well, you're going to leave home sometime, right? You're going to stand on your own and that accounts for a lot of more maturity among women, right? Yeah, than men in India, right? And uh, that's a severe kind of a problem that we are still facing, right? Because the men in India don't grow up, right? They, they still, uh, they, they don't have this idea that 
they have to stand on their own, they have to have a family, they have to be responsible for other people, right? Yeah? And that happens at a much later stage in life, after the children come up and all that kind of thing, or if they go and find another place to stay, right? And of course, most of them are the pejorative term that is mama's boys, right? Yeah? And they don't get, okay, uh, which is a way of talking about the Oedipal kind of complex, right? Yeah? And of course, the, the, the fathers also are very indulgent in that, right? They, they, because this is naturalized, okay? Because you think that, well, this is the natural order, uh, the boy has to stay at home, and the eldest son, the, the parents either stay with the eldest son or the eldest son stays with the parents, the rest of the people leave, right? So we're talking about primogeniture at one level. We're talking about this idea of the, the equality that is discussed between Knightley and uh, Emma, right? She's talking about intellectual properties, right? Yeah? And she's talking about Harriet not being an equal match for Bob, right? And Natalie is saying, well, it is an equal match because look at the qualities of Bob, right? And he's talking for the idea of a masculinist kind of idea that this man has been able to prove himself, right? He's been able to, and he's a gentleman farmer, right? Yeah, and he's got property, right? And who, and of course he gets in another element, that is, who is this woman called Harriet Smith? What is the family, right? Yeah, now these are considerations that are thought about in a kind of elite settlements in India with when you have this idea of matchmaking and I'm superior to you and you're superior to me, right? We all know about this, right? Yeah, it's not only about Brahmanism. It's not only about the caste. It's also about class, right? And it's also about position, right? So we're talking about two or three different factors when we're talking about equality, right? The cultural capital, the position that the parents had and the great-grandfather and the great-grandmother had. Again, this, okay, this is a colonial, post-colonial India that we're talking about, right? The pre-colonial India is an idea of the Brahminical community, right? Which you have to marry according to caste, right? The post-colonial India, you have to marry according to position, right? The hierarchy of position, right? And that's, now these are the factors which sometimes get very confused, right? Because somebody might be in a better position but have a lower caste, right? Someone might be having a better position and more money, okay, and having a lower caste, right? So all those kind of things become even more complicated in our setup and I think that's how we look at it because when we're talking about the idea of equality, right, and today, or at least in my day, I don't know about how conservative India has become today because even in dress, people are becoming more and more conservative and uh, even in thought, people are becoming more and more conservative and I don't know what the reason is, right? Perhaps the lack of money today might make India change much more, right? Because when we talk about uh, the idea of uh, money and property, right, then immediately we have... Uh, we have a lot of uh, th this idea of conservatism coming over there, right? Yeah, and uh, well, in my day, it was a different kind of society, right? Because people were challenging all these, all the uh, set customs, not only in India, but all over the world, right? So we had a different kind of generation, right? And of course, India was not as conservative as it is 
you had some very conservative people who would be left aside, right? So the young people used to go ahead and said, well, to the conservative people, and let's fight them, right? Let's knock them off. Let's have a different world, and the world belongs to us, right? Yeah. So that's the kind of tussle that you had uh, among the a lot of a lot of people all around the place, right? Yeah. So uh, one is you must be sure, right? And his arms in the man, because actually tries to overturn the stereotype, right? At the end of the play, when Raina comes to know that uh, what's his name, Stravinsky? No, I, I yeah, I forgot the name of the Blanchley. Uh, right? Yeah, when she comes to know that Blanchley is this character who's not a poor man, right? She said, "Well, I thought you were a poor soldier, right?" And this whole kind of the romantic idea of the rich girl marrying a poor boy, all that becomes a big problem, right? Because he's a rich millionaire from America, right? And uh, this is set in uh, Scandinavia, right? Which is still, uh, you have all this uh, Scandinavian war going on, right? And you talk about Romania and all these kind of places. Even today, they have a lot of political unrest, okay? So, uh, of course, that's only for the stereotype, right? So here what we're talking about is we're talking about even that romanticism is not there, okay? Even that idea of the romantic ideal of getting married to anybody, right? And of course, you'll find people today also doing that, right? I remember one of my seniors, right? Uh, and one of the things that most of us regard her very highly for is she marries a person without asking him what's, when is the next meal going to happen, right? Yeah, so uh, from a post-feminist perspective, right, uh, that's something that uh, a woman who is on her own, right, economically and otherwise, makes a choice, right? And she doesn't look at these ideas of, well, she's in love with a man, right, no matter what he is or what his profession is. Is he going to feed her or not? That's not an issue anymore, right? I've got a job, I can feed him and I can feed myself. That's the idea, right? And I think I told you last time, uh, or maybe I didn't, there's this friend of mine who's working for Cisco, uh, Cisco? Uh, yeah, some, some kind of uh, fantastic, uh, uh, I don't know if they're fantastic anymore, but uh, some time ago, it was a very uh, kind of prestigious thing to get into Cisco and work as an engineer over there, right? And she was actually telling her father, and we were sitting down together because of family friends, right? And uh, she's telling her father, well, uh, you, you might find all this strange, right? Because a top officer goes to, the, uh, to Arabia, right? And falls in love with a man who's selling fruit, right? Yeah? And without asking him anything, right? She asks him to marry her, and she gets him to the States. And she's a top officer. She's very well qualified in engineering, etc., etc., right? And this is the way they live, right? Now, that's exactly the kind of feminist position, right? Yeah? It's not about how tall is the man, right? Is he fair-skinned or dark-skinned? All the kind of matrimonial columns that you find in the paper, right? All those questions don't come in if you're talking about the idea of feminism, right? And we have to think about the fact that this is a woman's right, a woman writer, right? She's living in the Romantic age, right? And what is the kind of conservatism she is 
uh, inflicting not only on the British but also on the colonies, right? Yeah, uh, because this becomes the whole idea of the intellectual, right? And who becomes an intellectual? And that becomes a kind of a laughing joke, right? Yeah, because uh, many people think that, well, we are intellectuals, right? And because I've read two or three books, doesn't mean I become an intellectual and I talk intellectual stuff, right? And that's again something that happens over here and it's also something that you feel like laughing at, right? Yeah, now why do I say that it is, yeah, please tell me when I have to stop, right? Why do I say that there's too much of Shakespeare over here? Or very interestingly, uh, it's taken Shakespeare. One is the quotation of Shakespeare and art field, right? Yeah, so she says, the edition of Shakespeare would talk about true love never running smooth, right? But when you look at Macbeth, when you look at uh, uh, Twelfth Night, right? Macbeth is a tragedy, right? And Twelfth Night is a comedy, right? You find people egging other people on to something that they don't want, right? Yeah? And I would like to look at the idea of character formation in Macbeth, right? Yes. And how Lady Macbeth and the three witches, right? Egg. Macbeth on to do and commit all the crimes that he commits, right? Because the three witches say, Hail Cain of Thorder, and uh, yeah, whatever, Glamis, uh, yeah, and then one says, uh, Hail King of England, and then Macbeth gets totally. That's how the play begins, right? Yeah, with the three weird sisters coming in the middle and uh, giving desire to something that Macbeth didn't have desire for, right? Now, you might like to read Macbeth, and please do, right? It's not a bad idea to do that. It won't make you any weaker, right? That only makes you stronger if you read a little more, right? Yeah, and it's, it'll only take two hours to read, uh, or four hours maximum if you want to read Macbeth, right? Yeah, but you have to read Macbeth because when we're talking about the idea of motivation and desire and how desire is transformed, Right? That's exactly where we have this idea of character formation. Right? So, when you have uh, this woman called uh, Emma trying to change the desire of Harriet, right? you're actually saying, well, I'm going to script your character. Right? Okay? This is what a novelist does. But in real life, people try to do that. Right? And of course, it's called playing God, right? When I try to uh, control you and your life, right? And this would be called manipulation, yeah? That is, when one person tries to manipulate another person, right? You have this character in Karnad's play also, Boiled Beans and Toast, right? Uh, you can read it. It's a small little play. It's a, a wonderful play which we put up, right? And uh, this woman called Dolly is a person who's actually controlling the lives or wants to control the lives of other people, right? And of course, what is interesting even over here, uh, and that's my reading of it up till now, right? Uh, after many years, right? Is that um, a person who's very unhappy about themselves, right? Is the one who tries to control other people, right? And who tries to uh, get this kind of match going on, right? Otherwise, why does she say that this is not 
quite the match for you, right? Yeah, so the idea is your ideal and my ideal, the real and the imagined, right? And uh, what Shetabdi brought up very uh, interestingly is the question of what is the idea that I have for you and what is the idea that you have of yourself, right? Yeah, and what is the idea that other people have of you, right? Yeah, and everybody's ideas are different, right? So the idea is what is it to be equal, right? And marriage is about something that's very conservative, right? Otherwise people wouldn't get married, right? And the minute people opt for a, an option like marriage, right? This is not my stuff. This is what Simon the Buba says, right? When a, go, a girl goes and gets married, what happens to the idea of feminism, right? Yeah? So the question is, uh, when you get into something as conservative as marriage, and it is conservative, right? Because it's talking about, politically, it's a very conservative structure, right? It's talking about the least kind of political structure that you can have, that is a family, right? And you must know that all the economic forces, all the advertisement forces, advertising forces, right? All the jobs look at the idea of the family, right? And the family becomes very, very important, right? And that's when the marriage issue becomes very important, right? And of course, what the feminists do is, they try to break this kind of patriarchal structure and the family is a patriarchal structure, right? Whether you like it or you don't like it, right? Or you think that your family is great and all those kind of things, yeah, for a feminist, a family is a terribly conservative patriarchal structure, right? Now, that's when you begin to wonder about Jane Austen, right? Is she a feminist? Is she not? Right? Yeah, and uh, the question of Harriet, is Harriet a feminist or Harris, Harriet not? Why is she doing all these things which we call today power junkies, right? Yeah, and you get people who like to have a little power anywhere, right? And who are those kind of people, right? So you might look at all those kind of things and it's very interesting in character analysis how somebody who's a writer is scripting somebody else's life, right? Yeah, that is Jane Austen is scripting Emma's life and Emma is scripting the life of all these people. Right? Yeah, and Emma actually wants to script the life according to the script that she's played. Right? Yeah? And the idea is, of course, the idea of a Christian idea of, the, uh, of God. Right? Yeah? And the idea is that God is, and the idea of destiny which we have in India. Right? Yeah? And we don't know our destiny, but God is supposed to know our destiny. Right? And God makes you get married to somebody and all that kind of thing. This whole idea of destiny and the who the idea is modernism has already taken place, right? So somebody is actually scripting the life and playing God, right? And that's exactly what Emma is doing, right? So Emma is actually trying and Knightley is doing this and both of them are doing very conservative things, right? Conservative in different ways, right? Knightley is trying to conserve it because what are you doing? You're getting a person and this whole idea of protecting the male, right? Yeah. So he's actually supporting the male. He's supporting Martin and Mr. Robert Martin. And he says, well, look at his qualities. What qualities this this woman have, right? Yeah. And this man, uh, and who is she? Okay. Who is a father? Who's a mother? Nobody knows where she's come from. She's not from an established family, right? And that's how people look at families when they get married, right? Who's a father? Who's a mother, right? Are they uh, property? Are they intellectuals? 
have they got an intellectual status, right? Yeah, have they been criminals? Maybe some people might not even have a problem about that, right? I actually know a case of one of my students, and he was telling me about an aunt uh, of his, uh, and uh, uh, the, the aunt's husband, right, is a kind of a gangster, right? Or this uh, person who is a com commissioned kind of killer, right? Yeah, he commissions killing. If you want to get rid of somebody else, right, and that too in Bombay, and this is not a new story, this is about th uh, 20 years ago at least, right? Yeah, so it, it must have taken a long time to have a commissioned killer around the place, right? Yeah, and what's interesting is nobody asks because we are a, a society where money is very important, right? And uh, you might get this also in uh, The Godfather, the movie The Godfather, right? Yeah, where people don't have a problem about somebody being a criminal, right? Yeah, and you getting your daughter married off to a criminal because he's very rich is a, a new thing that we've seen in the 20th century, right? Yeah, the idea of the dynasty which has so much of power and wealth, right? Even though they do uh, some very, very wrong things like uh, killing other people, right? So that's something else you might like to think about because uh, this is something that is going to be a cut. Uh, uh, of course, why is this a classic? Because it still talks to us, right? It still talks to us and what Knightley says to, uh, 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 to Emma is important, right? He's talking about vanity, right? And she's, he says, don't do all these things to her. And he's taking some kind of a moral position, right? So the question is, what kind of moral position is he taking, right? Emma's kind of moral position is, well, I'm trying to see that this person, they're both talking about equality. They're not talking about changing society, right? Yeah. And actually what's, uh, so she's, they're saying that she's equal in as much as she's got marriage, uh, she's got talents and she's got, she's intellectual superior to Robert Martin, right? And the other one is saying that, well, he's got wealth, he's got family, right? He's got status and everybody knows him and he's a gentleman farmer, right? Yeah, and don't you think that that's, and he's economically sound and stable, right? Yeah, and who would even marry this woman? And he's, he wants her and that's almost, almost moralizing, right? He's telling her, look, if you puff her up too much, right, then what will happen is she'll be very vain and she won't want to marry anybody who proposes to her, right? And you're actually harming her, right? So we're getting into a very complex kind of uh, character formation and a very complex kind of a discussion, right? Yeah, the question is, and this is of course uh, something that happens in all societies, right? Yeah, when you, okay, and it, uh, I wouldn't even say that it doesn't happen in lower uh, classes and lower uh, 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 caste also, right? Yeah, because when you're making all these kind of matches, right? Yeah, one of the things that you're doing is you're talking about what are the qualities, right? And some people have this tendency and they're pushed up, they're told you're very beautiful, right? Yeah, and of course those people become a problem, right? They become a problem to themselves, they become a problem to the family they marry into, right? And all those kind of things, just as you have it over here, right? And Natalie warns uh, Emma and she says, well, don't make her get puffed up because when you're with a person 
uh, and uh, you have a lot of sycophants and they say, well, how pretty, how pretty, how pretty you are, or how intellectual, right? You're inter you've got beauty and brains, right? Yeah, that's supposed to be, and that's a patriarchal kind of way of looking at women, right? Yeah, you talk about women has, uh, and the only quality that a woman should have is beauty, right? Yeah, and what is that, right? So when you actually analyze it, what is beauty, right? And uh, so Plato's understanding is a beautiful mind and a beautiful body and all this kind of, you have all this Platonic things, right? And we're actually being anti-Platonic because we have two ideas which are being traded, right? Between uh, Mr. Knightley and uh, Emma, right? Yeah, and she's talking about the beauty of the woman, She's talking about the physical beauty of the woman, right? She's also talking about the social standing and the social way she operate, uh, operates because she goes to this uh, woman's Godard's house, right? And she's being trained by Godard in culture, right? Yeah, which is something else that many people do, right? And of course in India, you have these things called finishing schools today, right? Where you talk culture because a lot of people feel that they don't have culture. Right? Yeah? So they say, well, you have to go to a finishing school and I don't know what they want to do, right? Because the finishing school is like the old boarding house of, uh, of the Victorian age, right? Yeah? That is, you send people to learn how to eat, right? To learn how to drink, okay? It's like an aunt of mine in the UK, she was complaining about Air India, right? And said, well, they they should hire the right kind of people because people do not know what drink goes with what food, right? And they should be given a cultural training, right? I said, well, if you ask me, I wouldn't know, right? Yeah, some things I do, but not all, right? And once upon a time, an English teacher would be, uh, this is not what I say, this is what uh, Professor Daswani, uh, who was once upon a time the, the head of the department of my uh, university, Pune University, uh, said to us sometime when he was uh, when he was a young lecturer and before he had gone abroad, etc. Right? Yeah. So the idea of an English teacher would be that the English teacher should know what wine goes with what meat, right? Or what wine goes with what food, right? Yeah. And it sh shouldn't be drunk before or after dinner. Okay. Right. So when you have coffee. Do you have it after dinner or do you have it before and all those kind of things okay and after the dessert what do you have and uh, yeah all those kind of uh, very uh, small minute details and that's because all the English teachers in India would go and read all these kinds of books we had to read them right and we have to read them still right so the idea of culture is a question of what is the colonial culture Right? And then you have this thing called a finishing school and some people uh, like to send their daughters, some people like to send their sons to all these kinds of places so you know how to speak, right? Or the other way is how do you speak, how do you behave in society, how you eat your dinner, right? And can you manage your dinner, right? Uh, because you have the code of uh, what uh, this uh, person called Rolo Bath talks about, the, the grammar of eating, right? Yeah, so in India we have a different grammar of eating, right? And what should be said and what should not be said, right? Now that's a question of the polite society.
right? So at, we are working actually at different levels uh, when we are talking about this uh, this uh, novel, right? At one level we are talking about the question of compatibility, right? At another level we are talking about the psychological that's happened, right? The idea of creating desire, creating wrong desire, right? Okay, and that's the issue that we have between Knightley and uh, Emma, right? Uh, creating a false kind of opinion of yourself, which is very important, right? And I talk about good prime minister and how everybody is boosting him up when the country is in a mess, the economy is down, China is in, uh, everything is is so scary for everybody, and you have a lot of people who are boosting him up and saying that he's the best, right? Yeah, and people publicly also do all that, right? Yeah, which is not a good idea because the question is the idea of reality, right? And that's what the novel is trying to do, right? So should we give a, a person a false sense of reality, right? And I talked about the idea of Macbeth and the witches and Lady Macbeth egging Macbeth on. Lady Macbeth actually becomes the fourth witch, right? Because, or the fourth weird sister, because she actually tries to push uh, Macbeth into killing Duncan, right? Yeah, she actually takes part in um, Donald Bain, uh, what's, what's the guy's name, not Donald Bain, what's his name, uh, I'm sorry I forgot the other character, Mac, uh, Malcolm, right, yeah, uh, Malcolm's children get killed, right, yeah, no, Macduff, right, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, so Macduff, the, the, the killing of the family, the murdering of the wife and the children, okay, uh, Lady Macbeth is doing all those kind of things, and she's actually egging Macbeth on, right? Yeah, the the slaughter of Banco, right? Yeah. Now there's so much that there is over there, right? And you see that uh, the wishes of Macbeth, in spite of all those killings, like the killing of Fleance, right? Trying to kill Fleance when he tries to kill Banco, right? Yeah. So uh, I'm sorry, I'm talking about the play, but I, I assume that you've read it and. As TYBA students, you have, should have read it. And if you have not, go and read the play, right? Otherwise, literature doesn't become literature. Yeah, you can't study from a guidebook, and you can't do all those things, right? Uh, though these are long traditions in India, right? Yeah. So what is interesting and what is important is we're talking about Macbeth, and we're talking also about uh, somebody called Malvolio, right? And Malvolio is a character who's egged on by Maria and Saint, uh, and Sir Andrew Aguicheek and uh, what they have, uh, Tommy Bench, right? Yeah, and they actually tell him that uh, Lady Olivia is in love with him, right? And that's romantic, this is not, right? And that's really romantic because he actually thinks he's a servant in the house, right? Of Lady Olivia, right? And they write a letter which they say that, well, didn't I commend your yellow garters, right? And she hates his yellow garters, right? Yeah, and they actually do this to push up his feelings and push him forward so that he goes and proposes to uh, Lady Olivia, right? And he falls for the bait, right? It's called the gulling of Malvolio, right? Yeah, so many people fall for the bait, right? And that's something that all young people should be aware of, right? Because two people might fool you into getting uh, hooked to somebody, right? And 
well, if you feel that way, fine. But if you don't feel that way, then it becomes a problem, right? Yeah. And two people get hooked together because their friends say, well, this is a nice person for you, and this guy likes you, right? And well, and that's exactly what happens with Mr. Elton and uh, Harriet, right? And Emma is doing all these things, right? And of course, what happens in the novel is Emma is this kind of a godlike scripting character who's actually trying to script out somebody else's life, right? And we don't have a right to do that, right? Yeah, whether it's Knightley or Emma, the question is who has given us this kind of authority to look into somebody else's life and saying that this is right for her and that is right for her, okay? If somebody asks you, yes, of course, right? Then you can have an honest chat. And that's something important that the novel teaches us, right? Yeah. How do you look at characters, right? Do you think that two people can get on, right? Yeah. And uh, uh, do you think that the they are well matched? Not for anything. Not because you're talking about the status quo being maintained, or the caste system being maintained, and the class system being maintained. That's not obviously said uh, straightforwardly, right? And of course, Knightley alludes to the economic. And uh, Emma is talking about the cultural and the idea of the intellectual and all this kind of... Uh, so the ideas are different between... What's in, also important is you, you see that uh, Knightley's idea of the world and Emma's idea of the world are two different conceptions and maybe you can say that this is because they're male and they're female, right? Okay, so she's looking at the world and she actually talks about the sisterhood, right? And she says, we don't know how we women feel. Right? So all those elements are something that we have with people like uh, Elaine Shaw Walter, right? who's talking about private spaces that women uh, have, uh, which are exclusively women's spaces. Right? Yeah? And women uh, communicate in those spaces which are out, out of bounds for men. Right? Yeah? So maybe that's something that we can also work upon. Right? But what is interesting and what is uh, uh, important is that we are talking about this idea of psychological desire, right? And when somebody eggs you on, right, unless a person is sem sensible, right, whether you take the Prime Minister of India or any fool who gets bloated up with sycophants, right, whether it's a Vice Chancellor or Head of the Department or a Chief Minister or any person in power, right, yeah? Uh, so you can actually see that when you have sycophants around and they said, well, you're, you're the most wonderful person around, they don't understand anything. I can think of this movie called Anthony, uh, not Anthony Cleopatra, uh, Nicholas and Alexandria, right? And you have that kind of thing happening over there, okay? And of course, the consequences are terrible, right? Because Nicholas is the last Romanov ruler of Russia in the in the time at the time of the Russian Revolution, right? Yeah, and his wife says, "You know something? You're too gentle. Use a firm hand, right?" Now that's the worst thing that you can do, right? You're having people protesting, you're having laborers striking, and then you say, "Use a firm hand," right? And that's exactly why the Russian Revolution took place, right? Yeah. So if they didn't have that and you had people who say, well, uh, let the let the people be free, right? Let them come and talk what they uh, talk out what they have to say, right? All those kind of things. Then maybe a lot of the Russian Revolution 
wouldn't have happened, right? But that's, of course, wishful thinking when we look at history, right? Now, what's happening over here is somebody is scripting history, okay? Not as it is, but as they would like it to be, right? They're creating a world which is interesting because we're talking about fiction. And over here, we're talking about how people create worlds, right? Fictional worlds that sometimes do not match with the, the, the fictional notions that they have, right? Yeah, so I create a fictional world, right? And I expect everybody else to fall into that uh, world, right? I create a script and a plan, and I expect you to fall into that plan, right? And that's what most people do, most parents do, right? They script out a plan for the children, right? And then, of course, when the children rebel and they have another plan, or they're brought up differently because nobody is under the, the sole control of the parents, right? We learn from different sources, right? Like somebody might be sent by the parents to get educated, right? And that's why parents don't like their children to be educated because the children might get free, right? Yeah. And yeah, I, I remember this. I wanted to go in for music, and my mother said no. I mean, not for the money, but uh, she says, well, you might fall into bad company, right? And uh, there was some relation of ours who went for higher studies in music, right? And of course, there's a prejudice about who she got married to, and all that kind of thing, right? Yeah. So, uh, so you have all these kind of prejudices, right? And that's why people don't let their children do whatever they want, right? But if the child is determined, then they will, right? Or they have the means, right? Or they somehow stick it out, right? Then they will, right? And that especially happens when you talk about marriage, right? So you can defy the father and the mother, okay? And go and marry somebody against their wish, right? And of course, the parents are heartbroken, right? And you have some very, very funny things that keep taking place, right? And uh, yeah, uh, so that's something else that you might like, right? Like, for instance, of course, they were not heartbroken, yeah? Uh, there was a person who was a little older than I, in, uh, I, I didn't know her personally, right? Yeah, and she becomes a very advanced French uh, scholar, right? And she goes to France on a scholarship, right? And she falls in love with a man who's older than her father, right? This is real life, yeah? And she gets married to him, right? Yeah. So now that's, and of course, I think she knew him when he was in Pune, and she was a little, uh, a toddler maybe, right? Yeah. Or oh, he knew her from the time she was a toddler, right? And she's this very accomplished musician, and she's um, uh, she's gone for a PhD to France or whatever that is. I don't really know about that because uh, I know it was for some French studies or culture studies, something of the sort, right? Yeah. So the question is, you might script the lives of other people out, right? But they also have a right to change that script, right? And what script you have or what script plays in your head, depending on your value system, is not the script that other people are going to follow, right? So you might think that this is the right person for this person, right? And the person has a desire for somebody else. As you see over here, you have, uh, uh, yeah, I think the, the next uh, people are coming in, yeah? And we all, we'll start in a while, right? Okay, sorry, I have to say that, right? Yeah, so uh, we have this, uh, the other person 
having his own script, right? Yeah, and what's interesting and what's important, yeah, I just type this out. <laughs> 